We know that nature is can be 30% of the solution up to solving the climate crisis, but it's only getting about 5% investment. Welcome to the Wellness Hood podcast, a place where curious individuals like you gather to explore the diverse realms of wellness. Here, we're going to share, learn, and hopefully inspire one another on our journey to reach our best version. Welcome to the Wellness Hood. I'm Monse, your host. How are you today? We have a conversation with Sarah Crack, a sustainability advocate whose journey from law to leading impactful initiatives reflects her commitment to environmental change. I'm really excited about this conversation. I have known Sarah for a while. We have worked together and I think it's going to be a really cool one. Sarah right now is heading the Hearthshot Prize, which some of you may be aware that has happened not long ago and it was absolutely a success. Previously as well, she has been working with great businesses, including Ben & Jerry's, Conservation International, and more, which underscores her mission, enabling businesses to be forced for good, driving partnerships between governments, businesses, and society for real environmental impact. Our dialogue navigates actionable steps to combat climate change, focusing on tangible solutions over greenwashing. Sarah emphasizes moving away from shaming individuals and highlights that every small action counts in the collective effort for change. Join us as Sarah shares effective communication strategies, championing grassroots movement, and Singapore progressive investment in green economies. Her intention is clear, inspiring a shift towards positive action, curiosity, and everyday habits to create a more sustainable future. Let's start this conversation. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, thank you. Lovely to be here. Thank you very much for having me. No, I'm really totally thrilled to have you here. I know you for, for quite a while now. We've had the pleasure to work together in a fantastic team. And I always have admired everything that you do. So that's what is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. The feeling is definitely mutual. Look, I would love if you could introduce yourself. So can you share a bit about your journey and what inspired you to become a sustainability advocate? Sure. So my name is Sarah Cragg. I've been based in Singapore now for coming up to 10 years in January. I am a wife to my husband, Luke, and a mom to my daughter, Isla, who is four, and baby Cameron, who is nine months. I've really been working for the last kind of decade, really at the intersection between business and environment and NGO and civil society. And how do all of those players come together to have a positive action to fight climate change, and to have a kind of positive impact on the world around them, whether that's from an environmental side of things or also from a social side of things. That's taken me to lots of different places. And I've worked with lots of different companies around that. Obviously, we met when we were part of the Ben & Jerry's team. We were really lucky to work for an organization that was so committed to really thinking about that environmentalism, both in the work that they did, but also how they use their brand voice to support social environmental issues. So I've really been taking that and lots of the learning and the things that we worked with to then other organizations, how to other companies and social enterprises and charities can use the same kind of learnings, whether it's in the work that they do or how they use their marketing and brand voice and how do they tell their story and how do they inspire people to take action. And I think that kind of we both really loved about Ben & Jerry's was this real kind of taking action and being part of the solution. And that's really what I'd love to spend a bit more time talking to you about today, there's so much negativity and desperation and anxiety around environmentalism. So I really wanted to talk to you about the action that people can take and the hope and the solutions that are out there. 
Oh, fantastic. Because I think it's such a hot topic, right? Everybody wants to be part of it. And there's, we hear a lot about greenwashing as well. And what I would love to discuss with you, and as we said, is just let's go a little bit more deeper into what we as an individuals can do as well. It's beautiful what corporates do, but also let's look into what we individuals can do. Because sometimes it's really easy to say it's all about systematic change and therefore nothing to do with me. And I think we both agree that there's more to that. But before we're going into this, let's start from the basics. I would love to think that all our audience in here has got a, a good understanding of what climate change and sustainability mean, but maybe it just helps if we start with definitions. So why you then help us, and for those who may not be familiar, could you provide a brief overview on what climate change is and its implications for our planet? Let's start from the basics. Oh man, start with the hard ones for me. So I'm definitely not a scientist <laughs> and you know, this is, <laughs> I'm sure you'll get a better solution and examples from probably Google or the scientists out there. But the ways that you can go very deep and it can get very complicated, but fundamentally what is happening is that due to a release of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, mostly from the burning of fossil fuels, the climate is heating up. And I think we're seeing this every day particularly at the moment right now when we're having a conversation, there is a heat wave uh, going around in Europe. We're seeing on a daily basis that people, that the world is getting hotter and this is having a kind of impact on people, animals, and also the nature which we rely on. And it's easy to think of climate change and uh, global warming as just that, the fact that it's getting hotter. But our world is such a complex, amazing kind of ecosystem and everything has its place and there are knock-on effects for all of these things. So whether it comes from these, there's impacts on the ocean, the ocean is getting more acidity in the ocean, which is impacting the coral. The oceans are warming. You've got sea level rise. All of this affects the global temperatures and the global weather patterns. And that's where you're really starting to see these kind of extreme weather patterns, whether that is extreme heat, extreme flooding, tornadoes, all of those kind of different things. So I guess when we talk about climate change and global warming, all part of this bigger system and fundamentally it's not a good place for us to be. It might, depending on where you live, it'll have different impacts, but it is not going to be a very hospitable place for humans to live in the world if this continues in the rate it is. Now, that sounds very negative, so I don't want to leave it at that because it's very easy to get pulled into that negativity. And it is negative and it is urgent and we do need to change things urgently. But fundamentally, and I think this is where sometimes the message then gets lost because People feel like they need to make people nervous so that they take action. But And that is true. But the second part of that message is that we have the solutions that we need and we need to work out how to scale these actions. And we need to really work out how to scale these solutions so that we can solve this problem. It's not an impossible problem that we can't solve. We all know what we have to do, but we just need to make those actions and those solutions scale faster. Absolutely. So I love the positive note because it's like we're aware, but now it's about doing it, right? So when we're talking about these actions, as an individual, as you say, it can be sometimes overwhelming to tackle such a big global issue. So what are some tangible actions that regular people can take in their daily lives to contribute to a more sustainable future? What would be your advice, Leah? Sure. And I think sometimes it's overwhelming because there's so many actions that you can take. So I think as individuals, we need to work out what it is that we love. I'm not saying I know that, for instance, that you love food and you really love understanding food and different types of foods. It might be for you that the focus area that you want to take is to think about how to tackle food waste or how to 
think about your food, the supply of food that you're eating, and are you sourcing that food from more local avenues or more environmental avenues? Us being in Singapore, obviously food is a massive one for people. Singaporeans obviously love food, love seafood. So that's a kind of a great one for us to be thinking about and to think about the little actions that people can take if kind of food is something that they like and that they love. For other people, it may be that they love nature. They may, nature is an absolutely incredible solution that we have. There's something called nature-based solutions, some growing trees, planting trees, mangroves, they all absorb carbon, which is part of the problem that is the increase of carbon that's coming into our atmosphere. So actually things like planting trees and getting out into nature and protecting nature, that's another kind of, if you are someone who loves nature, that is a way that you can be involved that's maybe more using your voice to tell your politicians that you really you want to help protect these kind of amazing places so nature's another one there's so many different things that people can be doing whether it's thinking about fashion fashion is actually a huge problem i was reading something the other day that says that we already have clothes on the planet for the next six generations but it's also a huge use of water supply chain issues the materials that go into fashion and also this the fashion model that we have in terms of the waste that is being created also lots of some of fashion is obviously used to plastic as well so there's huge number of issues involved in fashion fashion is obviously something that people are really passionate about so if maybe that's your cause that's something that you're interested in how do you think about how you make your fashion taste more sustainable is it looking at the model for example could you be buying vintage things could you upscale your clothes could you do rather than throwing things away or buying cheaply, could you swap them? Thinking about that model, thinking about who you're buying your clothes from, the types of materials. So I think really it's about finding the passion and then thinking about how you can have a more sustainable choices through that. I think one of the easiest things that we all can do is also just to use our voice. It's as you said, people always want to do take an individual action and that's great. But as encouraging corporations can have that bigger voice. So even if and maybe you don't have the power of an individual to change that, but you using your voice when you go to a restaurant and asking, is this sustainable seafood? Is this sustainably certified? And that message carries back to the business owners and they want to change. So I think using your voice to ask the questions is definitely something that is often underutilized and something that all of us can do. Fantastic. Because as you say, I think there's so many options and it's so difficult to do it all. So probably it's rather what is the one that you're passionate and at least get that one. And then how that you, you communicate to, to bigger corporations, organizations that have more power of you to then drive the change because of the public demand. I think that's your message. But despite that, what do you think are the common challenges or barriers that people encounter when trying to live more sustainable and how they can overcome them? Again, we're talking about a really broad range. It depends where we're focusing, but just if you would like to name some? Sure. I guess for me, I think it's actually the kind of element that you mentioned earlier. It's Well, there's two different elements, it's being overwhelmed and not knowing where to start. So I think the best way to accomplish that is to really focus on one thing at a time and focus where you're passionate about. And I think the second one is guilt or shame. Like there's a lot of kind of conversations that happen about around sustainability being like sustainability is not doing this and sustainability is not doing that and as expats not flying that these kind of things which fundamentally all of us for lots of us will continue to fly and we should continue to fly because seeing our families is so important 
to our kind of daily livelihood. So I think it's about always trying to think about not always, we're not human nature and civilization. We're not going to get to where we need to be if we always talk about sustainability is not doing this and it's not doing that and it's not doing the things that we all enjoy. So I think it's really about thinking about what you can do that is positive. Because if we just keep this kind of no mentality, I think we spoke last time about the fact that this is for those of us with children, if you're always saying no, that toddler is going to thrash out or get angry or ignore you. So I think we need to switch this idea in our head and really start to make it more positive and start to think about what we can do and talk about some of the kind of solutions that we might, even if it's as simple as taking your own cup to kind of Starbucks or whatever coffee company you're going to, those kind of things. It's not, no, don't have a coffee. It's like a slight tweak. But that doesn't mean that on the days that you forget your coffee cup, you shouldn't have a coffee. It's not about saying no to yourself all the time. It's about these positive, small steps that we can all take and not being overwhelmed and not having that kind of guilt or stop us. Because if we're constantly thrown with these ideas of don't do this, don't do that, I think it's the same with me, throwing the towel. Like there's too many different things to do. Like I'm a busy person. Like I can't constantly be thinking about that. So I think it's about focusing on one thing at a time and trying to think about the positive steps that sustainability can bring, not the constants. Don't do this. Don't do that. Just to bring this a bit more to life and make it more understandable. When you say non-distance, like no, don't use plastic, for example, or with plastic, for example, is not use disposable cups, as you were saying, then you can bring your own one. What would be more examples just to bring it a little bit more to life to what we're referring to? I think the one that like lots of people, are, you know, as expats, lots of people talk about don't fly. Like flying, everyone's trying to stop flying. And obviously that is flying. We know flying is bad. We know that's not great. Until we find the more sustainable source of fuel, flying definitely has an impact. But fundamentally, mm. like you and I are likely to continue to fly because we're going to see our families And if we shame people about flying, if we're saying, oh, what's the point in you bringing your own coffee cup because you're also going on a summer holiday, like people aren't going to bother doing anything. So I think it's that mentality of not shaming people and not trying to build up guilt because otherwise people won't do anything. Like Fundamentally, people need cars. If you have a couple of children, try to get them around Singapore in taxis, it's pretty tough. You may decide that you actually do need a car. So we don't want to have a shame around cars or those kind of things. But how do we then think about that car? And we're thinking, what is a more sustainable option? Is there a more sustainable car model that you could use? Could you be sharing your car? Could you use one of the kind of car sharing models? There are different options, but I think it's all about staying open to positive change and not shaming or guilting people. Because fundamentally, we can't all have this at the top of our list every day. We've all got our lives to lead and we've got other things that we need. So is there any other habits or specific behaviors that you like to recommend to reduce carbon footprint that you can do within our busy lives and it's just a way to keep a bit more balance? I guess carbon footprint is a tricky one because fundamentally carbon footprint was started by British Petroleum, which became Beyond Petroleum. So a lot of the discussion around carbon footprint is almost to guilt people into saying, we don't need to do make change. Actually, you as the individual need change. I think For me, it's really thinking about what you're passionate about. We all know that actually something like eating beef has a huge number of carbon footprint. I wouldn't say necessarily never eat beef. I would say try to make sure the only times you're eating beef are the ones that you're really enjoying and that you're maybe not doing it like on a daily basis. Maybe you only do it once a week or maybe you're thinking you're mindful about how often you're eating beef, for example. 
But again, I think we have to be careful about saying never eat beef or never eat this. So I think, again, and it's similar with the carbon calculator and the carbon footprint calculator, be aware of the different things that you personally do, whether it's flights or beef or what is the thing that is increasing your personal carbon footprint and be mindful to what that is and try to reduce it. But this kind of constant thinking about your carbon footprint, not doing any of these things, I think is fundamentally maybe not positive to change and fundamentally. It's not what you were saying, just not focusing on the negative because anything that's negative, not you know, repeat and then it will most likely not turn into good actions or how do you think about it as a way of living that still enjoying your life and real and contributing on those that you are really passionate. Just with back to what you mentioned as well, that another way to go ahead of using this is that we say do actions that are passionate. We're talking about using the voice and stuff, use your voice to spread awareness and inspiring change. So how can we effectively communicate the importance of climate change and sustainability to others in our communities or to take actions? You put the example on the restaurants, but what else can be done? And said social media, for example, is a really powerful way for people to spread things. But I don't know, in your views, what do you think is a good way to effectively communicate that? Yeah, definitely. I think there's all different levels kind of communication and all different levels of change that can be made. Obviously, one of the most important things is to think about who you're voting for and to be asking your politicians about these difficult questions. It doesn't necessarily need to be writing letters. You can use social media to tweet or to put on their page. Ask them what are their points of view on these environmental issues because it's important that they have them and it's important that they realise that their constituents care about these issues. I think always thinking where you can, and again, people's political decisions, they have to balance lots of different things, but where you can ask your politicians about the things that matter to you and what their views are on these things. So policy plays a huge role in sustainability and fighting climate change. So asking your politicians is hugely important. Similarly, asking the companies that you work for, whether that's as a consumer if lots of people assume that maybe there isn't palm oil in their product or the toilet paper they're using is sustainably sourced, but actually it may not be. It's actually asking that question and checking because that means that companies will be taking that on board. I think also that one of the biggest things that you can do is as an employee is to be asking those questions internally. There's a big focus right now on the youth and how the youth are going to be changing these things. We can't necessarily wait for the youth and it's not fair to put all the pressure on them. So if you're internal within a business, what impact is your business having? Rebrave, what would your child ask you? What does he or she expect from you? Ask those questions within your business as well. And you mentioned kind of social media and community. And I think that is also hugely important. What are the kind of grassroots organizations that are happening near you? There may be ones that are about sharing food and food waste, making sure the food doesn't go to waste. There's really exciting opportunities within lots of cities around making sure that kind of food isn't wasted because that is a big source of kind of carbon as well, agriculture and then also the waste. So I think being able to use that voice and kind of finding those people within your community is really key and taking actions within your local area. But also just as we mentioned earlier, just taking those steps and sharing with others that you care and that you're taking those steps. And that might be something that then inspires other people. The cure to depression is action. And I think all of us can relate to that. And so if you found something that you think is cool and that is sustainable and it is something that you're trying to tell other people, that inspires others to take action. And maybe you'll create a community or inspire others to take action as well. 
It's a lot of things. And I think it's beautiful to see a lot of things happening out there. I think there's more consciousness. We live here in Asia, which is sometimes, or we've both been here for a while. Here 17 years, you've been 10. And I think we have seen an increase <laughs> because obviously you can see countries like Netherlands leading it and even US being a bit faster than here. So what is you stand in Asia? How is it doing and what is it going? Is it doing things? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's easy to see other countries having these solutions first, but actually in Southeast Asia and Asia, we're really on the front line of climate change. And we're facing lots of the countries around us are actually you know, facing those issues right now. And we're finding that lots of the communities that are having to deal with that, whether in the Pacific, coming up with their own solutions and networks to support that. I think it's easy to talk about that maybe the corporates and the corporations may be ahead in the kind of US and Europe. But that's definitely not to say that there aren't plenty of people been doing lots of awesome kind of things here. We're seeing really vibrant networks popping up. There's something called the B Corp community, and that's a different certification for businesses to show that they're really thinking about the impact that they have around them. Ben & Jerry's is also a B Corp. And we're really starting to see that it's very much thriving in this part of the world because people are really waking up and realizing that they have to take action. So I think maybe the case that we're actually even leapfrogging ahead of some of the rest of the world. But some of those stories aren't necessarily coming out. So I think we need to lift those stories from the region and really start to tell people about the steps that people are taking. That's really good to hear because I think not many people is aware that probably, as you say, Southeast Asia is so advanced on specific areas. And what about specifically about Singapore in such a progressive country and taking being new and taking quite a lot of from the outside world and making it better in here? What do you think? Where is it Singapore now? And and is it going in the right direction? Absolutely. Singapore is very aware that it's a very small country surrounded by rising sea levels. So I think they're very much aware that they need to play their part. Obviously, being a, such a small country is quite hard in terms of some of the solutions. But I think what the government is really trying to think about very carefully and where Singapore, when it puts it mind, its mind to it, is very good at it, is really thinking about how does Singapore become that carb, that environmental kind of hub so it's really be able to support the region. I think Singapore is very much investing in the green economy, particularly in the capacity building stage. So they're really trying to look at how do they become the experts that then supports the rest of the region. Lots of the big issues that facing kind of climate change that faced it around the area, obviously around protecting forests and planting trees. And those issues are somewhat hard for Singapore to, given their limited space and agriculture, those kind of issues are quite hard for them to influence. So what they're really trying to look at doing is how do they really build capacity to then work with the surrounding areas to help to think about how supply chains and some of these issues might be supported. And there are also a huge number of impact investors here, and the government's definitely encouraging that. So really thinking about how do people use their investment, not just purely for financial return, but also for social and environmental impact. So we're seeing quite a big increase in the kind of environmental startup space. Lots of, they're really encouraging people based here to massive eco-business, obviously have the kind of livability challenge. So we're really seeing a kind of increase in these kind of awards to encourage that kind of environmental startup space. And whether that's something to do with kind of nature-based solutions, decarbonization, all of those kind of businesses and how do, they're looking to create Singapore as their home to support those companies. They're also looking quite a lot at 
obviously shipping industry, looking mm. at how could they think about kind of the ports of the future and the shipping industry of the future. That's not my area. And there's quite a lot of technicality around that. But obviously anyone who lives in Singapore knows that kind of the ships are very much fundamental to Singapore and its place in the world. So that's definitely an area that they really want to increase and to support. Let's look ahead and let's look more into the future perspectives and optimism. So from your perspective, what are your hopes and aspirations for the future when it comes to climate change and sustainability? I think, as I said earlier, the solutions are out there and all we need to do is scale those. People having positive action and positive kind of certain curiosity, inquisitiveness about how to get involved in sustainability and how to take these positive actions. I think with some of the negativity and some of the constants, don't do this, don't do this, it's easy to hear sustainability and think, that sounds difficult, that sounds expensive, or that sounds negative. Like, How do we get people excited about wanting to take different actions and try some of these new amazing solutions. There's amazing people out there who are looking at how do we use seaweed instead of plastics? How do we solve that waste problem and solve that plastic problem? How do we use different techniques to stop the plastics getting into the ocean? There's all these amazing stories out there. And I think it's about sharing those positive stories and helping people get involved and be part of that solution rather than, yeah, knowing that the solution is out there and being part of it rather than that kind of slightly negative or depressing eco-anxiety that it's easy to fall into too. Are there any exciting initiatives, technologies or trends that you're particularly optimistic about? You mentioned some, but is there any more that you see and maybe that you work with? Or? Yeah, what I think some of them are very much overlooked. I'm really, we know that nature is can be 30% of the solution up to solving the climate crisis, but it's only getting about 5% of the investment. So even things like planting trees, protecting trees, I very much I love nature. I think it not only helps us with the carbon issues, but also with the air pollution and some fresh water as well. So for me, I think it's actually just the kind of magic of nature. If we give nature a break, if we just support and protect nature, then that's like an amazing solution that's right out there on, on our doorstep. For me, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that all of the geeks and the scientists in the science lab are figuring out it's something that's all around us and we give it a chance and we protect it, then that's a big part of the solution. I think we covered quite a lot today, Sarah, and it was just a general introduction on climate change. Obviously, we could go deep down on a specific topic and have more and more, but I think for today, we covered quite a lot. Is there any final words than you on any other advice or tips for the listeners that want to become more activists or more sustainable advocates? I think I've covered the key things, but for me, it's get out there, talk to people, ask questions, be interested, be curious, don't be disheartened. And together we can all make change and we can all protect the beautiful planet that we live on. Agree, agree. And let me do one more question for you. It's the one that I'm asking to everybody. And today I may tweak it a little bit because I always say, what are your daily wellness practices? So maybe for you is what are your daily wellness practices and sustainable practices that you do every day if you have any? Sure. So mine is to try to get out into nature. I live and to be open to the nature that is around us. Like we live in Singapore. We're very lucky. I was walking down like East Coast Road today and I thought I saw four hornbills. So the nature kind of is all around us. But for me, it's just getting out wherever you are, appreciating the trees. I live on the coast. So a very kind of quick walk to the coast and that kind of sets me up for the day. So it's taking a little walk, moving my body, getting out into nature. That's kind of my wellness practice. Really good. And from a sustainable perspective, what do you do every day? 
Oh man, even for me, it's easy to be overwhelmed. So obviously simple things like recycling, trying to remember your reusable bag or reusable coffee cup, you're trying to use public transport as much as possible. I think it's just those types of little things, but also giving myself a bit of a break as well, because it's hard to remember all these things. We're all like looking after our families. I will try and do that every day and I will try and remember to bring my cup and my bag, but trying to give myself a break if I forget it. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time with us, Sarah. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited to hear your podcast and listen to your other guests and be part of the journey. Thank you so much for being part of the Wellness Hood. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on the Wellness Hood today. If you're as intrigued by today's conversation as we are and want to dive deeper or connect with our guests, visit our website at www.thewellnesshood.com. There, you'll find links to our guest work, articles, and ways to connect with us on social media. Your thoughts, questions, and suggestions are essential to shaping our future episodes. Let's co-create a space that resonates with your interests and empowers your wellness journey. We truly appreciate your support and can't wait to have you back with us for our next chat. Until then, take care and consider adding one little thing to your life that makes you feel better.